Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for November 10th, 2019. We are coming to you not live from Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana. And uh, we are, this is Proper 27. Uh, I've been leading up to this. There's Proper 28. And uh, looks like Proper 29. And then we are done with the Propers. We can be improper after that. Done of the season after Pentecost. Yes. Uh, so uh, then we'll be on into the, the holiday season, the the seasons where we eat our fill a couple of times over. <laughs> I mean, you do it once for Thanksgiving, right? We'll have to you double do the donut order for coffee hour. You do it for, you know, for, for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, if, you're, if your family's like mine, we celebrate like six times yep. for Christmas. So different locations, different all groups. around. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, um, but uh, so, yeah, it, it's uh, uh, the season after Pentecost mm-hmm. uh, is, it is, uh, is winding down uh, and we're still just kind of like, Feels like we're wrapping up loose ends and in, in some of the ways that the readings uh, kind of get, like, hey, you know, let's, let's round this out. Let's, a little more let's, important than that, but I, yes. Yeah, this is, yeah, I, I, I'm not a priest. I, uh, yeah, yeah. This is just my lay ear uh, 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 speaking through my dumb mouth. Um, so. Um, but uh, let's move into our uh, Stump the Priest section. Our word of the day is kerygma. Oh, isn't that teaching? Yeah, ish. Yes. Ish. Kind of. Ish. Uh, if, if it were something resembling teaching, what would it is that like? Holy just teaching. Flat, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's a uh, churchy teaching. Do, do you know Do you know the the, the root Greek. language? It's Greek. Yes, yeah. um, it's a it's a term that is used uh, apparently exclusively in the New Testament. Right. Well, the because most of the so Old not Testament, apply to well, but most of the Old Testament is written in Hebrew. Right. And so they would have words for teaching, but it would they be in Hebrew? Right. So, kerygma is a Greek term used in the New Testament to mean either the content or act of proclamation or preaching. Mm-hmm. So, the term began to be used in English and other modern Western languages early in the 20th century to signify the core of the Christian gospel. Uh, and then it gives you know some other um, um, <laughs> examples and examples, uh, starting in 19, with a 1936 thing and um, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> Uh, in, in this usage, kerygma uh, is u- was used to be d- uh, distinguished from uh, didache. Didache? Didac- didac- didactic? No, D-I-D-A-C-H-E. And, didache. Uh, didache. Yeah, a uh, New Testament word for teaching that refers to the, to the later elaboration of uh, kerygma. Uh, that's, it's, that's one whole section and then another whole section that starts to talk about um, predecessor to mission and ministry published by the Trinity Episcopal School for Ministry since 1982. Oh, it's a, it's it's also it's also a, a publication, a, right? An Episcopal right. Pub- right. publication. Yeah. Um, uh, so that's uh, um, kerygma. Yeah, Episcopalians love to name things with Greek words like 
Episcopal is a Greek word for bishop. Is a is there a strong uh, correlation? Because uh, uh, Greek and Latin, uh, some 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 old languages, uh, and I know a lot of people who who are both uh, Episcopalians and uh, lawyers. I kind of wonder if there's a strong <laughs> correlation between the love of languages past. Um, not that well, I guess not that be. Greek is past, so right. Yeah, that actually that could be part of it. If, the, if it's a person who loves um, carefully constructed language, mm -hmm. they might very well be drawn to the Episcopal Church and the traditional liturgical language we use typically on a Sunday morning for worship. Yeah, that we we not, structure that carefully. Not like us who speak American, right? <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> and didn't slur our words. Yep, yep, <laughs> yep. Not this early in the morning, though. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so the uh, let's go to the readings. We we sure. we had some uh, we had some options here. Uh, uh, we're choosing uh, Job, uh, not Haggai, but uh, uh, Haggai one's kind of fun. Um, Job. Chapter 19, verse 23 through 27a. Oh, that my words were written down. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. Oh, that with an iron pen and with lead they were engraved on a rock forever. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and that at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, then in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see on my side and my eyes shall behold, and not another. Um, very poetic. It's a poem. Right, it's a poem. Um, and most of us, you know, might remember, or kind of remember the story of Job being tested uh, um, mm -hmm. uh, by the devil, um, really testing a, by both the devil and a, a passive test by God, I guess, as, as a, as a correlation in, in, in a way. That's the common misunderstanding. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's not, it's not both of them. It's really Satan testing. Well, it, it's interesting in, in Job, that it sets a scene of, of, uh, almost Mount Olympus type banquet hall, as in the, the Greek mythology, and Satan's chatting away with God mm -hmm. and saying, you think your humans are so cool? I bet I can break one. And not in a guy with horns and a pointy tail and I get to drag him into hell sort of way, but mm -hmm. more as a court jester. Mm. And That's an interesting way to look at it. Okay, yeah. yeah. And, the, and the language that's used in Hebrew and all, it's it's really towards that kind of imagery rather than the Lord of hell or something. Mm -hmm. And yeah. So in Job, um, in the book of Job, God gives permission to Satan to, uh, basically the language uses pull some pranks on Job mm -hmm. and they're terrible. His family's killed uh, and yeah. he's diseased. Not exactly and, pranks. Right. <laughs> but it's, it, and first of all, and it's set up as a fictional story though mm -hmm. a lot of people don't see it that way in modern times. Uh, so it's not that this actually happened. It's a teaching story. It's a, mm -hmm. a teaching book. Um, and so after terrible things happen to Job, the most interesting characters are what are often called Job's companions, his friends 
who get to say the things that humans often say to each other when bad things happen. Mm -hmm. And then Job gets to reply in words, we wish we had at those times where um, someone says, oh, don't worry, it all works out for the best. And then Job gets to reply with, what? My children are dead and you say this is going to work right. out for the best? Yeah. All part of God's plan. Yeah. <laughs> and Job gets to say, no. Yeah. But in very articulate ways. And so today's brief passage is one of those replies that I wish was on the tip of my tongue any day. Yeah. Uh, so so give us the, the context around this reading because it's, it's a great reply, but it's it, because of the way that it has been chosen for the lectionary reading. You kind of lose the, okay, why is this being said and by whom? So this is being said by Job, yes, mm -hmm. yeah. in reply to one of his buds um, who basically the um, friend has said, this is all just God's will mm. and you must have done something wrong to deserve it. And Job replies in the verses leading up to this piece that, no, I haven't done anything that bad. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I have an extremely strong faith in God, so much so. And then we get these words mm -hmm. about basically he's willing to stack his faith against anyone's mm -hmm. and that indeed God would redeem him. Right. That if, if there were a, um, do you deserve it? Um, game show, he would definitely win the no, he does not deserve it. Yeah. Um, prize. Uh, the other thing that's interesting about this passage is that it's a traditional poem read at funerals, uh, hmm. particularly in the Episcopal yeah, Church. I can see that. Yeah. Um, beginning with verse 25 For uh, I know that my Redeemer lives, and the last he will stand upon the earth, and after my skin has been destroyed. Then in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see on my side, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. Um, and in the prayer book, it's a, a little more intimate language mm -hmm. um, of just how close the speaker is with God. Uh, and one interesting thing in terms, we often like to, you and I like to talk about how theology shapes translation, okay. where... Since Christians have started translating this passage into uh, English, they have often translated um, the verse 26 along lines of, then in my flesh shall I see God, uh, to affirm the New Testament imagery of bodily resurrection, mm. of a physical resurrection, but it could just as easily be translated, the, the in can also be translated as without. So it could say then, without my flesh, I shall see God. So hmm. more uh, spiritual resurrection of, okay. yeah. of a believer, which tends to be more what uh, mainline Christians believe in now. Uh, yeah. Um, and so it's just kind of interesting that because of the, strong influence of Puritans and the uh, more extreme Protestants when Bibles were first translated in English, this was seen as here's a proof text for bodily resurrection when in fact it could have been the opposite. 
by oh, okay. the translation of that one little pronoun. Hmm. Isn't that funny? Or is how, it an adverb? Anyway, it, yeah, <laughs> that isn't that funny word. though? How that you know that yeah that slight change like yeah. uh, puts everything uh, totally on, different uh, on tilt. Um, it is kind of ironic that uh, oh that my words were written down. Guess what? Here they are. Here they are. <laughs> they sure were. And in light of that, I, I kind of do then ask the question. So you you kind of talked about how Job. Uh, the whole story of Job is is like a, a potentially as a fictional character, mm-hmm. and uh, um, that uh, um, it's one long metaphor, and, right? Yeah. So, if the Book of Job is not about not maybe not necessarily about a physical man named Job, mm-hmm. who wrote this book? Where did it come from? It, How old is it? That's one of the that's one of the fun. I've had more than one friend. Um, I'm such a nerd. I've had more than one friend write a PhD on the book of Job. <laughs> so over coffee or wine, I've heard all sorts of things about the book of Job. And part of the, one of the reasons so many scholars love to talk about it is that there's so many possibilities mm-hmm. because authorship is not um, attested to within it in a way that a lot of the other prophetic books are um, said, you know, Jeremiah, here's Jeremiah. Right. Um, and so all they can do, all a scholar can do, or anyone reading it is look at the clues of what's the theology expressed and try to see how that might go with the flow of other books of the Bible, uh, in terms of how, when has that theology started to be really developed? Mm-hmm. So a lot of folks, um, see that as from a era similar to Jeremiah, um, but we don't know for sure. Roughly fifth century before the birth of Christ. Okay. Maybe and maybe older, but probably around then, because it, God is definitely um, a single entity. Right at that so, point. Right. Yeah. So that puts it later than the very than Genesis, mm-hmm. where at times it seems to imply that God kind of is multiple characters. Yeah, it does give a yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it, the God is in a plural. Right. for instance, uh, pronoun. And it has this theology, which is the major reason we still look at Job so closely, of living a life of faith that is not dependent or shaped around reward and punishment. Mm. And instead, it's a freestanding ethical life out of faithfulness to God, whether you get rewarded in this life or not. And that's a fairly sophisticated level of spirituality. Mm-hmm. And so that's one reason it's believed to be from the 5th century before Jesus. Because mm-hmm. before that, the it's a lot more of the, uh, if you want your crops to grow well, make sure you're living an ethical life. Right. Uh, yeah, it... it... It definitely has that feeling of of, uh, of oral tradition finally oh, yeah. being written down. Uh, with with the later chapters, you know, these later chapters having a lot more poetic mm-hmm. uh, verse to it. Um, so that does, I can see where authorship might really end up coming into question because yeah. presumably this would have been a story repeated orally mm-hmm. uh, for however long, uh, you know, a, a long, a potentially long period of time before mm-hmm. it was finally codified and became a... Well, before text. any of the scriptures started to be written down. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. So it's, um, it's very old, but not the oldest. Mm-hmm. And 
uh, I mean, it's kind of funny when you talk about the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, you're saying, oh, you know, 5th century B.C. Oh, that means it's fairly young. Uh, yeah, yeah, comparatively for yeah. an Old Testament. And yet yeah, it's still sure. 500 years before Jesus starts to offer his commentaries on the Hebrew scriptures. Right. But yeah, I think that's important to kind of point out uh, how the, the mentality around the nature of God and how we how we interact as human beings had, you know, had kind of started to evolve and uh, change over the, the years of the Old Testament. Oh, writings. yeah. Uh, and um, which is kind of one of the reasons why, I mean, we always, I think as individuals, we often think about. Uh, the difference between Old Testament God and New Testament God, and how stark in contrast they are. But it's really that that turn really starts in the Old Testament. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it's not really that like oh it's just night and day like not cut a knife down between you know between the, uh, the, the 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 biblical texts of the Old Testament mm -hmm. and the New Testament. And suddenly, God has a, like a completely different uh, uh, outlook or, or yeah. interaction with uh, his human creation. It's like no, we really you know. That Old Testament, you know, fire and brimstone feel was really early on in the Old, uh, right. Old Testament. And by the time Jesus came along, it, for the most part within Judaism as it is today, had been set aside, mm -hmm. the fire and brimstone. And yeah. um, that's why today a lot of um, Episcopal theology is extremely close to Jewish theology. Yeah, yeah. I, I've noticed uh, uh, that quite a lot uh, mm -hmm. by... by uh, uh, Hebrew friends, and I believe you have uh, some some rabbi friends yeah. uh, in your life as well. That uh, that you know it, it it sounds oftentimes like this could come from either one, right? <laughs> either one right. of us. Well, and, and Paul was the apostle Paul. His letters are very much part of Jewish theology mm -hmm. at that time. That has been preserved um, in other places within the Jewish tradition, and so I can, as long as I'm conversant with the letters of Paul, I can talk about ancient. As in two thousand years old ancient mm -hmm. Jewish teachings with my rabbi friends quite easily. Yeah. Well, then let's uh, let's not not to leave Job behind. But uh, today is not his day uh, uh, in the sun, as it were, uh, lectionarily uh, speaking, because it's just a really the lectionary reading really was focusing on a, a nice poetic passage, uh, 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 speaking about the, the, the ultimate importance of his relationship with God. Yeah. And, 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 okay. and picks up the theme of afterlife that we'll hear again in a few minutes. And, yep. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So our second reading here is from second Thessalonians. We did, which we did uh, last week as well. Chapter mm -hmm. two verses one through five and then 13 through 17. As to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we beg you, brothers and sisters, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as though from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord is already here. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first, and the lawless one is revealed, the one destined for destruction. He opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or ob object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, declaring himself to be God. Do you not remember that I told you these things when I was still with you? But we must always give thanks to God for you, brothers and sisters beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the firstfruits for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and through belief in the truth. For this purpose, he called you through our proclamation of the good news, so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, 
brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by word or of mouth or by our letter. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and through grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope, comfort for your comfort your hearts and strengthen them in every good work and word. Again, uh, letter of you know Paul, uh, uplifting, encouraging right. kind of style. Um, any idea? Is is there any specifics that he is warning against? Because this, this first part is a warning. The yeah. second, the second part, uh, right where we make the cut and then jump back in a couple of verses later, is the back to encouraging, back right. to you know. But the first part is very. Uh, um, Almost, almost foreboding in a, in, a, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, is there any idea? Was there anything specific that Paul was trying to warn against? Because you know, don't be shaken. He kind of vaguely hints at like a, a you know, Satan trying to uh, lead you astray kind mm-hmm. of a deal, uh, which kind of feels Job like. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but, you know, uh, yeah. It basically. Um... One thing you got to remember about Paul's letters is that they are, regardless of which community they're written to, they're written to baby Christian communities in urban areas around the Roman Empire that are crossroads of theology, thought, and philosophy. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Paul has some amount of time with a group, does Paul's best to teach them and to help them form into Christians. But as he, but once he leaves, he often is concerned in any of his letters about the influences of either non-Christians or Christians who have lousy theology, and okay. and and even worse in Paul's mind, um, selfish ethics. Gotcha. Okay. Because one of the problems that all spiritual uh, traditions have, including Christianity, is people saying, oh, yeah, I believe that, and then never having that affect their behavior. So, yeah. So uh, Corinthians has lots of corrections on that, for instance, about people who um, eat sumptuous meals at the parish potluck and don't share with the people who only brought bread and water. Hmm. Um, and there's some of that in here, too. Um, but the, the particular section that we have in second Thessalonians reading today is more about the Christians who are perhaps tempted to go astray in terms of theology and uh, spiritual practices rather than everyday ethical behavior. So when he refers to the lawless one is uh, being revealed, the one destined for destruction, that's more of a vague um, category of yeah. someone who then falls into this category of uh, uh, opposes and exalting himself. Uh, above every so-called god or or object uh, uh, of worship is like kind of a nebulous person. Anybody who falls into the ca- this category yeah. is is the lawless one that well, I'm referring to. Yeah, and one of the things to remember in Paul um, and other places within Scripture is when it when he talks about in a place like in this con- kind of context, the law, he's talking about ethical behavior in a positive way. Mm-hmm. It's not a place where he's trying to downplay the importance of the law, as he does occasionally. And so another way of saying this is an immoral person, uh-huh. a self- particularly a selfish person, as the context then spells out a little more, that they put themselves even above God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 
in a lot of ways, it is applicable today to Christians who preach the prosperity gospel of, yeah, if, if God loves you, you will succeed financially, you'll have good health, mm-hmm. things, your um, physical life goals will be fulfilled. And if you don't, then send me twenty nine ninety five so your faith can be built up. <laughs> um, and so he's, Paul's really trying to come down, and, and this is a theology that's been around in the human race probably from the first times we hit two stones together and got a spark. Of mm-hmm. oh I I must be a great person because I got a spark right rather than oh fire ah, from prosperity God. yeah <laughs> I so, totally deserve this right um, yeah so it's which it, by the way if it sounds uh, uh, if it sounds like uh, um, the same kind of thing as uh, um, uh, sports traditions like your favorite jersey <laughs> yeah they're very close <laughs> yeah they are they really are that basic human if, superstitious belief I, I I love you all but if you think that sitting on a specific spot on the couch <laughs> causes your team to win. Uh, you have a very inflated view of yourself. Right. <laughs> or of your couch. <laughs> or, or, yeah, or your couch. Yeah, yeah uh, that's that's fair to say. Maybe you're not self-centered. Maybe it's uh, more, more you think it's, you have a magical couch. Right. Either way, you are being deceived. Right. That's <laughs> either, right. Either by you or, or, or that sham of a guy who sold you the magic couch. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, very good. Um let me ask real quick, anything in the yada, yada, yada that we skipped uh, in the lectionary reading? Because that's chapter, you know, verse it, 6 through 12 that we cut out. That's a good seven seven verses. Anything? It, it's more of, the, more of the same as the first half. Paul being cyclical in thought, perhaps, and yeah. giving multiple examples and exactly. rewording it. And, you know, just in case that wording didn't Am I not you, being strong enough? One. Yeah. <laughs> and then where it resumes is when he has changed his direction and goes back to, as you said, being the encourager. Mm-hmm. And uh, that continues on for um, the rest of the chapter, really. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Well, um, I don't think I have any other questions. So without objection, I'll move on to Luke. Sure. Okay. Luke chapter 20. And that's so sad. We only have really three more of this thing. Yeah. This one. And we're going to leave behind the book of Luke for the most part. Yeah. And, periodically maybe delve back into it but i like you luke uh i have grown uh i've grown to very much like uh the way it's stylized and and yeah written out uh luke chapter 20 verse 27 through 38 some sadducees those who say there is no resurrection boy he comes around and says it uh came to him and asked him a question teacher Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife but no children, the man shall marry the widow and raise up her children for his brother. Wait a minute. (laughs) I'll circle back to that. Okay. (laughs) That is what it says. Okay. Now, there were seven brothers. The first married and uh, died childless. Then the second and the third married her, and so in the same way all seven died childless. Finally, the woman also died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had married her. Jesus said to them, Those who belong to this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy of a place in that age and in the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. Indeed, they cannot die anymore. 
because they are like angels and are children of God, being children of the resurrection. And the fact that they, the dead are raised, Moses himself showed in the story about the bush, where he speaks of the Lord as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now he is the God, not of the dead, but of the living. For to him, all of them are alive. So, uh, again, conceptually turning whatever, you know, regardless of the question, the, the you know, the, the concept on its ear and saying like, no, 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 you're, you're still thinking in terms that do not apply right. to afterlife or, or, you know, when your time here on, on earth is done. So, mm -hmm. uh, it, basically the, the, you know, Jesus finds fault with the question itself. Like, right. The presumptions behind Who cares? It. Like, <laughs> that's not how that works. You don't go to heaven and like, oh, this is my wife. Like, yeah. that's that you. It's it's a far more individualistic approach. This is you and your maker. You and you know you and all of the rest of humanity are together uh, uh, as as kind of as one and kind of turning the concept on its ear because we have these social constructs that we have difficulty getting rid of. So, um, uh, yes and no. Yes and no. Okay, elaborate. Yes. Or no, <laughs> or defend yourself. <laughs> the, this is a okay. This verbal pass, on guard. No. <laughs> this passage comes in some of Jesus's final teachings. Mm -hmm. it, it takes place in what we now call Holy Week. He's uh, preaching in the temple and having discussions with scholars and leaders um, of the Jewish hierarchy, and soon he'll be arrested, tortured, killed, and then resurrected. Mm -hmm. So. It's important to know that, as um, it says here, the Sadducees who say there is no resurrection mm -hmm. came to him. So they don't even believe that this is a, a relevant question. Right. They're, they're, it's truly a setup of, okay, all you idiots think there's an afterlife. Mm -hmm. um, and so we can trip you up with this since there is no afterlife. And so the, the Sadducees went by a tradition that came out of the first five books of the Old Testament. Those mm -hmm. were the only books they thought were... The Pentateuch, yeah? The Torah. 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 Yeah. Pentateuch is after. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Scratch that. I'm dumb. The, <laughs> hey, at least it was he. Yeah. Um, that the, the Sadducees believed that only the first five books were good for forming theology. Mm -hmm. And... Part of their teaching that Jesus addresses in his response is that nowhere in the first five books does anyone of authority mention an afterlife and therefore it cannot exist, even though later in the Old Testament it's explicitly referred to. Right. So that's one of the things some Christians are mistaken about. By the time Jesus is uh, born, the... Uh, Jewish theology and spirituality thoroughly believed in heaven. Right. So Jesus was not the first one to say, by the way, there's heaven. Right, right. Um, but so not we, for the Sadducees. That's not, they, they are, they, they were more uh, Puritan in their, in their yeah. original. They were the, this is the, this is the OG Bible and that's all, that's right. as far as we go. Yeah. They were the conservative, um, almost fundamentalist uh, subset. Uh, I don't want to use the term denomination, but it's kind mm -hmm. of a modern term uh, within uh, Judaism uh, during the temple period. And so for them, the way that 
human existence continued was through one's heirs. And yeah. Um, and so that's why they had this question coming out of uh, the Torah that if a person dies, well, if a man dies, then mm-hmm. the man's brother has to marry the wife. So, and the, the implication is so that the wife can still produce uh, heir that will continue on the man's name right. and memory. The family name, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Jesus says, basically, you're wrong about the afterlife. Incidentally, mm-hmm. the Sadducees also did not believe in angels, uh, who are mentioned repeatedly later in the um, oh, sure. yeah. past the Torah. Lots of Old yeah. Testament stories of yeah. so the, angel interactions, for sure. Um, so Jesus' reply is not towards their question at all. Mm-hmm. He never, but instead is, hey, there is an afterlife, and mm-hmm. it's beyond any of your constructions. It's beyond human understanding. So shut up. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I realized I read the uh, I, I read it wrong in my head as I was reading. When um, you stumble. Yeah. I, I yeah. Raise up children for his brother, not raise up the children. Yeah. For his brother. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah. Um, so, 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 yeah, very, very, and, and, uh, we still have hints of, of this, of the same kind of mentality of, of heirs oh, yeah. and, and, and family, you know, the family name, mm-hmm. uh, uh, having importance. And, uh, um, so the, the brother, uh, the brother of this deceased person, um, you know, it's now up to you to carry on. Yeah. And and another part in terms of Moses's teaching, in terms of what actually occurs in the Torah, it ha- also it has probably more to do with making sure that widow doesn't starve mm-hmm. than yeah. the the immortality of the name. Because since she was had already been married, mm-hmm. a lot of men would not marry her. Gotcha. And, partic- and particularly because she had not produced a child, a man would be even less likely to marry her because they might think she's sterile and right. So would not be able to raise yeah. give birth to more farmhands and such. Yes. Yes. As we all know, up until about like, you know, 30 years ago, it's never the man's fault. Right. When it comes to fertility issues. Right. Just talk um, to Henry the eighth. Right. Exactly. Right. Couldn't possibly be us. Yeah. Even though I think science is starting to show like more often than not, it really is. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so I, I'm actually a little kind of curious. Obviously, like like you said, the Sadducees are are gearing this question towards uh, 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 tripping him up about a resurrection question because that's that's one of the areas of focus that's of particular interest to them. In that, like, we don't think this exists, right. and we want to ask you this kind of question. But um, um, so the, the the question is about the afterlife. But it almost seems like there seems to be an emphasis about uh, um, who does this woman belong to, and I was wondering if there was like a um, um, is there like some sort of undertone as to why the question is phrased that that way, like whose whose responsibility? I mean, again, I know that their 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 interest is in like uh, uh, tell me more about this silly stupid thing that you yeah. believe in. Um, but, uh, and here's um, what makes it illogical to even believe. Right, that. right, right. Is, is that kind of the, 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 the deal is that they're like, uh, you know, like 
taking the social construct and like how does the social construct work in your in your in yeah. your resurrected afterlife just yeah. just That's, curious because it obviously couldn't be wholly different so uh, right. for it, eternity who's who does this woman belong to yeah and it is um obviously uh, from you described it very well it's a a real low view of the value of a woman as a human being right it's like life take two yeah and well and for them it's like okay who gets to keep the mule uh-huh. <laughs> right yeah yeah okay and so jesus again turns this so that everyone is valuable in the afterlife right um that they're there is not a, a second place or third or fourth place status for a woman, for a widow, for a female of any status. They're, we're all equal. We're all yeah. uh, children of God. And you might notice that he even says um, in verse 36, because they are like angels and are children of God. Mm-hmm. So he's also tweaking the Sadducees' noses about their not believing in angels. I was I was even going to ask about that because I feel like they're he's tweaking uh, the, the the them uh, throughout the verse of thirty six because it mm-hmm. kind of feels like he's uh, he's uh, doing a, more of a tongue in cheek uh, uh, whole style there of like indeed the, you can't once you've died you can't die again yeah <laughs> it's like you're already dead <laughs> you don't you don't die anymore mm-hmm. um, uh, so so he kind of does kind of in a way uh, he. Uh, it's another example of where he recognizes he's being tested mm-hmm. and uh, plays with the person who yeah. questions uh, uh, him. It's not he, he almost never, especially through the book of Luke, at least um, the way it's written, he almost never uh, uh, invites these questions or, or, or accepts these questions as like pure question Q and A's. Yeah. Uh, the ones that at least got r- written down were more of like a, I see what you're doing here and I'm mm-hmm. going to mess with you a little bit. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm not going to take this literally. Right. Yeah. Right. I I know I know I think I know what the answer you want me to give and you're just not going to get it. Yeah. Yeah, that is very much in Luke throughout it. Right. Um, and, and what's interesting is and I'm not sure what again what, yet another time I'm not sure why the passage is denoted the way it is within the calendar within the lectionary but they dropped the the last verse really of um, this passage of they no longer dared to ask him another question. Uh, yeah. That he, he had messed with them. He had blown their minds. Right. And some said, teacher, you have spoken well, and they no longer dared to ask him another question. Hmm, I like it. But uh, they would then go and kill him. <laughs> Now, yes, was, that was the Romans. That was the Romans. <laughs> but that's why these folks would not have stood up for him. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think also verse thirty-eight kind of um, helps to kind of clarify a little uh, the concept of of uh, the afterlife. Uh, of talking about, you know, um, it, it gives you the feeling like he's kind of helping define or redefine. Like, look, it's not, you know. Once you die on this earth, this is not, you know, what I'm talking about isn't, uh, um, is, isn't uh, 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 where God's focus is. Like, it's not, it's not like he's, like, it, God's not focusing on those who have died and now you get to, you know, you get to join him in heaven. Uh, he's concerned about 
you know, the living. And yeah. then when when we join him, that's not death. That mm -hmm. is another part of living. That's yeah. that's part of a, it's it's not to be sad and you know morose and you know you know that's the 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 the, the end and all your good is used up and you're mm -hmm. you know it's then it's over. Uh, it's it's that is a continuation. It's more uplifting than you might be thinking. Yeah, one of the the very ancient teachings of Christianity was that we often forget is that in the Gospels and in Paul's letters, the presumption is we're living in the kingdom of God right now. Mm -hmm. And that the, the Christian life is, should not be focused on a pie-in-the-sky existence, but in, in seeking the awareness of how much we are part of God's, in a sense, everyday life in our everyday lives. Mm -hmm. And that the, the difficult parts of this life, the parts we find difficult, uh, are not where God is absent. It's just where God is present in ways that we may not be seeing. And not in a Job sense of God's testing us, but rather in a, no matter what's happening, we are walking with God. We don't always realize it. We don't always see it. But God never abandons us. God is God of the living. And that living is eternal. And so we should be starting with that. We should be seeking that awareness of how today is eternal each day. Yeah, I like it. Well, very good. I think we've done our we've done our job this week. I, I hope think, so. I think we've I think we've done we've done good work. Uh, handshakes to you. Handshakes. Very good job. Very good job. Very good job. Very good job. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, uh, this your podcast for November tenth, uh, twenty nineteen. Um, uh, we'll we'll look forward to uh, the the uh, sermon and see how we uh, how how we how we continue uh, thought on this uh, this topic. We'll see which verse gets uh, chosen. We'll see, uh, or if or if there will be a tie in between multiples. And if you want the advanced course, mm -hmm. sometimes I give a different sermon at eight and ten. Ooh! So if you sit through both, or if you want an extra it. jewel in your crown, yeah. <laughs> Come to both eight and ten. Not that we believe in that, but yeah, no, right, right. And this coming Sunday, we'll have a, a little brunch between services. Yeah. So as well as after the ten o'clock, so yeah. you have a little sustenance to yeah, we, uh, sit through a second sermon if you want. Yeah. A quick plug: uh, we, we're 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 getting ready to start our stewardship campaign. Yeah. So we're 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 just like the season of uh, after Pentecost is kind of. Uh, winding down, and we're preparing for our our, our new year. Or pre preparing for the new harvest. Uh, start thinking about the next year and when we start planting our wheat. Uh, this is also our our, our time to uh, take stock and think about what we want to accomplish in the next year. So uh, hopefully, this if you're listening to this, this uh, this podcast is also kind of a, the beginning of your reminder of, yeah. hey, let's let's uh, let's let's see what we've been doing, what's been working, what hasn't been working. Uh, you're always welcome to uh, email us at uh, shortcut at hfec.org and uh, tell us what isn't working. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was taking... Okay, you have the first half of Paul. I'll be the encourager. The second half. Of, what are you thankful for right. as we approach thankful Thanksgiving? That's sure. part of the the theme of our stewardship work this this fall. Is we are so thankful, and we want to respond in Thanksgiving by giving God good gifts. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so look for that. Uh, join us eight to ten. Uh, eight join and us ten. Eight and <laughs> 
8 through 10. 8 through 10. 8 and 10. Uh, as well as uh, uh, brunch, lunch, yeah. food, Thanksgiving, fellowship. Good times. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and um, uh, But until then, uh, we'll talk to you next week. And I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.